0: I started scared. drinking oh. like an hour ago. I'm so scared. <laughs> the white wine's helping. It's, it's not it's that helpful. bad. Like it,
1: to anyone listening, it's not going to be that bad. It's going it's to be, gonna that, be bad. that bad. It's, it's a, bad. It's, it's it's
0: a Chardonnay. Bad. The Chardonnay's helping. I'm hoping maybe it'll like blur my vision. Like I don't drink anymore. So like I'm hoping it'll like blur my vision to the point to where I can't actually see what I'm looking at.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh. The first
0: thing I'm going to have you
1: look at video wise is actually really cool. The second thing is the kind that you're gonna hope that you're not seeing. You know, man, like, I love you,
0: you're really important to me, but I'm gonna tell you right now, your version of cool and my version of cool are two very different things. Like, these are very different (laughs) definitions of cool. Uh, Okay, so, hi everyone. Uh, This is Southern Science. (laughs) Welcome.
1: My name is Erica and I am a scientist.
0: My name is Katie and I'm not, and there's a reason for that. There's a reason I'm not a scientist. I'm a liberal arts uh, student.
1: <laughs> Poor Katie. She's heard this portion of the oh talk God. before, and this is easily the most uh distressing of the parasoid talks that I do. But hey, uh this week we are continuing our discussion of zombieism in nature as spooky season marches forward. Mm. And just kind of as a refresher, uh we're defining zombieism on the basis of the kind of human background of zombies being someone that is coerced into doing something for another organism without having really conscious control over their behavior. Last week we talked about uh, fungi that manipulate ants and flies and cicadas to do their bidding to uh, kind of further the reproduction of the fungus. And And to explode. To explode. Don't leave that part out.
0: They explode.
1: I mean, (laughs) That's part of furthering the life cycle of the fungus. Is no, the I just want to make sure
0: everyone's like following. It's not just like they're just like happy, like, you know, necrophilia and explosion. That was the theme last week. Yes,
1: that, that those were key points uh, yeah. of last week's episode. So if you missed last week's episode, you might want to go start with that. It is super fun. <gasps> it was super fun for me. Katie disagrees. Mm,
0: no, fun. Once again, like, I feel like our definition of words are just different, like, you know, like fun, exciting. <laughs> cool no no <laughs> super cool oh god okay. so yes i have heard this part of the talk i have not seen this part of the talk hence the glass of white wine
1: oh that's true because you yep. weren't there when I, I was not you just listened to it yeah because so, you didn't get to see the presentation nope. so i have sent katie a powerpoint oh of god some <sighs> images that she does not enjoy
0: nope I haven't looked Inside. at it either so y'all get to look at it for the first time with me we, we will upload this at some points you can also follow along and be super grossed out but well
1: yeah once once we have like an instagram or something we'll post yeah. the pictures of the things oh, we talk God. about and it'll be distressing for everyone yay
0: okay so go ahead
1: as much as we want to encourage people listening at any time maybe this one's not for while you're eating no maybe the last one wasn't for while you're eating frankly
0: yeah we should have that like disclaimer at the top of this stuff like do not eat, have nothing in your mouth, have no plans to like do anything productive afterwards. And um, if, you have, <laughs> if you have pet bugs, you're not gonna love them anymore. So, you know, I don't know who keep, but people keep pet bugs. It's like a thing. I don't know why, but like.
1: That's true. I think the most common bugs, like people have ant farms and then people have tarantulas and people have uh, like hissing cockroaches. And frankly, all three of those are the victims in this series oh, because. God. The ants were the victims in last episode, and then uh, tarantulas and uh, cockroaches will be the victims in next week's episode. So it's not like you're going to be worried they're going to turn against you. You'll feel sorry for them.
0: I don't know, man. I just like to pretend this stuff doesn't exist. I feel like you know my life was happier before, but now I know, and I can't not know. I haven't played my video game. Oh, I have not. (laughs) I'm playing. I'm playing 2K. I'm playing basketball, man. Just playing basketball. (laughs) Looking at hot dudes, (laughs) just playing basketball video games. All right. So this week's topic, in case you weren't listening last week, is worms. Right. So we're going to be talking about different kinds of worms
1: that uh, will infect a host organism as, you know, in a parasitic fashion and induce behavioral changes in the host organism that will lead to furthering the life cycle of the worm. And so, parasites like this, um, generally, the host organism that we're going to be discussing is an intermediate host, where the... Katie's <laughs> giving me a look.
0: Just kind of slowly disappear. I feel like you could run this episode by yourself. You don't need me. No! You're an integral part to the uh, the banter format. Oh, God.
1: Sorry. My chair's so squeaky. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, chair squeaky. Can't do it this week. See y'all next week. <laughs>
1: Uh Uh-oh, can't do it. (laughs) Oh,
0: well, goodbye. Anyway,
1: (laughs) so worms have the ability to, um, basically, they will mature in one kind of host and then reproduce in another kind of host. And so some worms have figured out how to uh, basically manipulate the intermediate host in which they can mature from a larval form to uh, adults capable of reproducing and then basically once they're an adult they can induce behavioral changes in the host that will facilitate them getting into the terminal host in which they can reproduce
0: that doesn't sound positive at all terminal host
1: uh it's a lot more terminal in the death sense oh, for God. the immediate host frankly. oh man
0: all right all right
1: for a lot of them if the terminal host is like a, a bird or something, then the worms just reproduce in the bird's gut and then the eggs get pooped out in the bird poop and the bird's fine. Yeah, so kinda that's like really kinda issue. like worms and like
0: dogs and cats, where unless you just get completely run over, you're okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean barring heartworms because Oh yeah, heart yeah,
0: that's different. Worms in your heart is always a bad location, idea.
1: Location, 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 you know. <laughs> Prime time I real shouldn't estate. treat that likely. Both of my dogs have had heartworms. Oh, by the way, uh, random aside, did you know that... Uh, you probably knew this because you were like a vet tech for a while, weren't you?
0: And I'm in rescue, yeah. I'm in dog rescue.
1: But did you know that you can treat some forms of heartworms by giving your
0: dog beer? Specifically Guinness? No. <laughs> Guys, I, don't, I have heartworms. I require Guinness <laughs> every day.
1: This... Chardonnay is not medicinal. It's specifically sure it Guinness beer. Wait,
0: no, I had no idea.
1: Apparently, this is the thing. Danny's dog Nikki had heartworms, and Danny has allegedly cured her by buying her Guinness and letting her drink it. And okay. I don't know the details of this.
0: So I really feel like that's an anecdotal story, and like you probably heard it, but for some Irish guy online who was like, "I gave my dog <laughs> lots of beer, and it was fine." As a person who's been to Ireland.
1: That's fair. But no, he heard it from the lady who ran the shelter that he got Nikki from. Nikki's the dog.
0: Okay, so bookmark that. I would like to do a series on that next, which is the medicinal benefits of alcohol. (laughs) That's amazing. No, I didn't know
1: that. I haven't looked it up. I just, I kind of took his word for it, but I will definitely be happy to investigate why, what ingredient of Guinness specifically would affect heartworms. I'm
0: highly interested and would like to do an entire series on the medicinal benefits of alcohol, and then we can sample them while recording. Nice. See, that sounds fun. We could do that instead of worms. Yep.
1: <laughs> You'll do that anything to not great. talk about
0: the worms. I will. I mean, hey, like wine
1: has been an ingredient of medicine since literally medicine existed. Yep, but trying to take care of myself. because wine was the only thing that was safe to dissolve stuff in, you know, because water couldn't be trusted because yep. it wasn't exactly clean.
0: <laughs> I missed my, I should have been around like, 400 years ago. I would have fit in so great.
1: (laughs) Anyway, sorry for the delay, folks. Uh, Katie really doesn't want to talk about worms. I don't. (laughs) It's fine. Anyway, this is actually super interesting because we're going to talk about different kinds of behavioral changes that the worms induced in their intermediate hosts so that the adult stages can be taken up into their terminal host and be able to reproduce. So we're going to talk about different kinds of basically like the results of zombieism. So uh, just kind of to recap, if you didn't listen last week, what we're defining as zombieism being a change in behavior as a result of a parasitic infestation. So there are tons and tons of worms that can in- infect basically every animal in existence. I'm sure. I'm sure, but a lot of them don't have to induce behavioral changes to propagate themselves. And so, we're specifically focusing on examples of behavioral changes. So the first one I wanted to talk about, primarily because it looks super cool. So whenever Katie watches the video that I sent her, um, I recommend that other people look up the same. So, uh, if Katie would proceed to slide two. (laughs) Okay.
0: Oh. Oh, that's not so bad. What's wrong with his eyes? Well, that's the question. (laughs) Oh my God, are those worms?
1: (laughs) His eyes are no longer his eyes. So, So, worm eyes. The first animal that we're going to be talking about, because this is an audio medium and you don't get the joy of what I've just sent to Katie. Sorry. Oh God. Uh, Is a parasitic flatworm that infects snails. And so uh, for this particular worm, which is the Leucochloridium paradoxum, the terminal host is a bird, meaning that the adult will reproduce in usually the digestive tract of a bird, and then the eggs will be uh, excreted in bird droppings. And so in this particular instance, the intermediate host is the snail, and the snail will eat bird droppings that are filled with the flatworm eggs. So I don't know if I said it already, sorry, this is a, a parasitic flatworm, We'll be proceeding to roundworms in a minute. Yay. No. So like I said, the snail will eat the bird droppings that are filled with eggs of the flatworm, and then the eggs will hatch and develop into larvae in- inside of the snail. And so this is actually kind of in- during the developmental process of the larvae. Uh, the worm will, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this and describe this
0: visual. <laughs> I know, and you're making it so much worse. Like, oh God.
1: I'm sorry. I'm like, this is, this is really something to look at
0: no okay. The
1: point is that the worm will grow inside of the snail and uh, as part of the process castrates it which is something that we talked about last week with several of the uh, fungal infestation is that the you know reproductive organs of the host are destroyed and but what's most interesting about this flatworm is that it will tunnel into the eye stalks of the snail and form brood sacs and the brood sacs are then filled with the larvae and the larvae actually do a really interesting thing. They pulsate, kind of moving back and forth, enlarging and retracting. And they're kind of a striated pattern between lighter greens and darker greens. So if you're a Futurama fan and you know what hypnotode's eyes look like, this is very all-hail Hypnotoad. So this is the point where I would like Katie to look at the video for the first link that I sent her.
0: No. <laughs> no.
1: It's cool as hell, man. You should watch it.
0: Oh, that's so uncomfortable. No, Erica. Okay. Okay. That it's not going to explode on me. Is it not in this video? Oh God. Oh my God. (laughs) Worms for eyes. So it's like an alien. Oh my God. Isn't it cool though? Like they're like pulsing and like, I mean, sort of, because it's kind of pulsing and beat. Yeah. They kind of alternate. Yeah. This is weird. Okay, as long as they don't explode, this isn't the worst. This is actually kind of cool for anybody listening. It really is, like she says, it's like they're like moving back and forth. Like the the entire ice stalks like like just moving back and forth, which is kind of, as long as they, I swear to God, if you lied to me and these explode. Okay, what I said was that it doesn't explode in the video. Okay, as long as it doesn't explode, I have to watch it. Okay, this is actually kind of cool. This is sort of interesting. It has like little tips at the end that are like almost like red, like orange. Uh Uh-huh. That's kind of like cool. The, yeah, those parts like kind of aren't moving. Yeah, yeah that's kind of cool. Okay, so that's not the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I built that up for nothing. Okay, that's not so bad. So, I mean, to be
1: fair, the they larvae can burst out of the tentacles. I figured. I figured eye stalks.
0: I figured explosions were happening. Uh,
1: but the goal of these brood sacs being in the eye stalks, which are also called tentacles.
0: Of course they are
1: is strange because that implies a different function. Of course they are. Um, The point of those, when you look at them, don't they kind of look like really tasty caterpillars? Or maybe they don't because you're not a bird. I mean,
0: that's not where my mind went. No, my mind went to to alien snail. And then I remembered it was worms for eyes, which is horrifying. Yeah, I went to worms for eyes. Yep.
1: (laughs) Well, okay, that was accurate, but you're not a bird. So if you were a bird, this would look like delicious caterpillars. And the goal of this kind of pulsating movement and coloration, I assume, is to get these eye stalks and the uh, larval brood sacs contained therein to be eaten by birds. And so the kind of zombieish aspect of this particular parasitism is that the snail uh, is typically a uh, nocturnal animal. It will, will move on the leaves and eat at nighttime. And okay. instead, uh, these eye stalks actually, um, they pulsate more during the daytime and the snail is induced to be active during the daytime and actually is driven more towards the light and onto the upper side of like plants and leaves. And normally these snails like to hang out on the undersides of plants and leaves so they don't get eaten by birds.
0: Ah, so this is how they're zombies.
1: Right, and so- Got you. Something about- I haven't seen an explanation of the particular mechanism, but this particular infestation will cause the snails to start to prefer the top sides of plants and leaves where they're more exposed to birds and other predators and the eye stalks pulsating during the daytime and actually increased movement overall of the snails will increase the likelihood that the eye stalks get plucked out by birds. Just the eye stalks? actually yeah because it's the eye stalks that look like caterpillars so the birds are more interesting interested in eating caterpillars than they're interested in eating snails and so the okay. eye stalks mimicking caterpillars will cause birds that are interested in that and not snails to just kind of try to pluck out the ice stalks and now i assume snails getting gotcha. by accident but that's not really the goal um okay and sadly if a bird does eat the eye stalks of you know of the uh, snail and not the flatworm parasite uh the snail can actually regrow their eye stalks and then get infected again so i mean so basically day, th- this right? is your life
0: this is your life now you have worms for eyes
1: i know it's like you they finally get ripped out of you and then you're just like well poop you know? So like, <laughs> basically,
0: you, you get infected, you have worms for eyes, your eyeballs get ripped off. You grow new eyes.
1: And you're like, I can have new eyes again.
0: With worms. Worms for eyes. Yeah,
1: and then they get reinfected. Yep, well, that's yep.
0: depressing. And now I'm gonna go like, be nice to every snail in my garden and be like, you poor, poor little thing with your worms for eyes.
1: I know, it's so sad. And actually I meant to say, uh, you commented on those little reddish spots at the end of their tentacles. Yeah, Those are actually fo- the photosensitive spots that the snail uses to tell where light is. And so the fact that the brood stalks are kind of between the snail and those photosensitive eye spots may play a part in the fact that the snail is being induced to be active during the daytime and move a lot more when normally they're very nocturnal.
0: Terrifying.
1: It's just part of how the behavioral change is being enacted.
0: Okay, so the worms for eyeballs are pretty gross, but that's not the worst thing on the planet. I'm calming down a little bit. Like, you know, put the wine right. down a little bit. That's not the worst. That's not the worst. It's okay. It's not great. It's but not great. It has
1: a, like a cool hypnotode vibe. It's very, yeah, you know, like
0: nothing explodes or nothing's supposed to explode. You know, it's like explosion seems incidental, not intentional, you know. Sure.
1: I mean the snails. I mean, lie to me. <laughs> the parasites don't exactly want to erupt out of the brood stalk because, a- as they're in the eye stalks and the brood sacs are pulsating and stuff, like that's kind of their setup for I want to get eaten by a bird. And yeah. then if they once they get eaten by a bird, then the parasite can grow to an adult and be- and reproduce. And that's True. kind of okay. the end game.
0: Okay. So so, so far, worms yeah. aren't as bad as the fungus. They're not exploding.
1: Proceed to slide four.
0: Oh no. <laughs> What happens to the snails?
1: Oh, no. No, we're moving past the snails. So we're moving beyond flatworms and going to start talking about roundworms.
0: Horsehair worms. Oh, my God. (laughs) No. All right.
1: So as an example of roundworms affecting behavior, we are going to be talking primarily about horsehair worms. Ah, uh, they're also called Gordian worms because the absolute writhing mass of them tends to evoke the idea, <laughs> the idea of the uh, Gordian knot. You know, the mythological. I mean, it may have been real. I actually have no idea.
0: No knot of rope that was. No, that's that's not where I'm going. Uh, What's I'm going with big pile of worms meant to be
1: like impossible to untie. Oh my god. Of,
0: like, <laughs> Oh my God. No, I'm going with just big giant pile of worms. Oh my God. Where do the, oh, never. Oh, of course it eats the guts. I was about to say, where do its organs go?
1: Oh, it doesn't have any by like the end of this story. Erica, whatever the host organism is, it can be most insects. Honestly, Uh, we're going to be talking about crickets and grasshoppers, but I know roaches can also be a host, things like that. Oh These worms will entirely eat their basically entire insides. No organs, no (laughs) hemolymph. Katie is like staring at me real hard through the webcam and now she's off camera
0: vomiting oh now she's my off-camera. god oh my god what what is wrong with that oh I'm not watching a video of this you can't make it. me okay. oh my we'll god
1: we'll give it a few minutes we'll give it a few minutes okay ah! so we're gonna be talking about like horsehair worms but that's actually a category that's an entire phylum of organisms so like kingdom phylum class order family genus species like there's a ton of these there are 350 known freshwater species but it's actually been proposed that there're probably thousands like at least 2000 uh species And they only species. like
0: bugs, right? Like they're only into bugs. Well, oh you were being way yeah. too quiet, Erica. <laughs> you were being literally way too quiet. I will hang up this podcast right now. So, are you serious? Okay, are you serious? Oh my God, okay, okay.
1: We are going to be talking about roundworms and hairworms that affect humans, but this particular like style of zombieism that we're gonna be discussing, the ones we're gonna be talking about are specifically targeted towards insects as their intermediate host. I will say there is a terrifying six foot long worm that nobody knows what it parasitizes. I hope it's not humans, but I cannot reassure you to the contrary.
0: I'm done. (laughs) I quit. I'm getting a new podcast. This is
1: like episode four. Oh my God.
0: (laughs) I will quit in the middle of this podcast. Oh my God. How do you even get these? How does that even happen? Aren't like, okay, so I've always heard roundworms are like poop, like you're playing with poop. Is that not true? probably
1: i mean as far as human infestation go what we're going to be talking about it for roundworms and humans is contaminated drinking water and that's also the way that a lot of insects will get it so um this category that we're going to be talking about here they reproduce in water so for these organisms they don't have a terminal host that is another organism like the flatworms we just talked about where birds were the terminal host for these they need an intermediate host to mature in and then The adults will go into basically bodies of water to reproduce. Katie has applied sunglasses to reduce her visibility of the terrifying worm videos that I've sent her. Yep,
0: yep, yep. It'll make it better because there's a there's a shield between us now. (laughs) Oh God.
1: So the adults can reproduce in water, and so they lay their eggs in the water, and that's typically how the intermediate host becomes infected is by uh, consuming the eggs from contaminated water, and that we're initially going to be talking about insects as the host, but unfortunately humans can also be a host of worms like this. So let's start with insects. <laughs> Y'all can't see Katie's face, but it was priceless. Why? What did I ever
0: do to you? you agreed to be my co-host. I'm telling you, I swear, that's what you get for being friends with people. All right. So we've got this disgusting worm thing. Right. So
1: um, like I said, they become infected by Uh, consuming the eggs that are in water. And this uh, typically will directly infect like beetles, cockroaches, uh, even crustaceans like hermit crabs can get these. Uh, We're going to be focusing on uh, crickets kind of as the example for the video that I sent you. Okay, But also carnivorous insects can get these as a secondary infection if they eat an infected insect that already has the worms in it. So once these insects consume the eggs, they will hatch and develop into the larvae. And the larvae will start uh, basically consuming all of the internal tissues Of the insect and also the hemolymph. And I don't know if you know that term, but hemolymph is basically what insects have instead of blood. It's like a combination of the circulatory system and the lymphatic system. Um, So basically, they just have one fluidic system that is responsible for both conveying nutrients and pressurizing and moving their
0: limbs. So the worms hollow them out. Yes. They become
1: a husk of their former selves, but they have enough basically muscle or material remaining that they can still move, basically under the direction of the
0: worms. This is mind control, because you have no mind, they ate it. I mean, if
1: you if you didn't have a mind that, I don't know if it would count as mind control, but this does, um, and I actually found a 2005 paper that kind of gave a few more specific uh, details about how this might be happening, but just kind of still going through the broad, movements of of what happens during the course of like the parasitism and then the mind control alteration of behavior what's different about these uh, infected hosts say crickets and grasshoppers as an example um, is that the worms will produce neurotransmitters that induce the posts to one be silent because these parasites these roundworms do not want to be eaten by predators like birds, like the flatworms do, these want to be able to make it back to a water source so they can reproduce. So oftentimes, like the crickets being loud or whatever will get them eaten by accident. So they're like being loud for mating or whatever, but a a bad consequence of that is that they'll get eaten. So to reduce that possibility, infected crickets will be a lot quieter. The second behavioral change is that they are compelled to seek out water and a theory behind this is that potentially these are nocturnal insects and bodies of water tend to reflect light, and so they are induced to move towards light sources. I'm not sure if I 100% buy that. That was a kind of a a hypothesis that was put forward in one of the papers that I was kind of flipping through. But the point is that these hosts, the crickets, grasshoppers, et cetera, are um, induced to seek out water.
0: So you said that the hypothesis is they're moving towards light but they reproduce in water. So wouldn't it just make sense if they were just moving towards water because that's what the worms are telling them to do?
1: Right, but the crickets don't really have a like sensor for water. Like you and I can't sense water at a distance, but we could see something that's reflecting moonlight and be induced to go to that. So it's basically just like what senses you have at a distance. At least that's that's the kind of hypothesis I saw in one paper. I don't know if that's actually the mechanism.
0: But that's the theory.
1: Yes. Okay. That That is one of the theories. So basically the um, host organisms are compelled to seek out water. If they're inside your house, they will often seek out uh, artificial sources of water like toilets and sinks. The reason that these are often called horsehair worms is because in olden times crickets and stuff would jump into outdoor artificial sources of water like horse troughs and that would be the point am i watching you dig through your fridge for more alcohol ice <laughs> oh for ice
0: so okay wait okay but that's okay I'm, I'm getting confused on that though because to me that doesn't make sense you just told me that like and i get it they're like they're going for the light and you said most of these things were nocturnal, so they're moving around at night But even based on that, like, I'm thinking in my house, things are dark. How do they know to move towards...
1: I don't know what crickets see as far as what their light threshold is. I mean, things that are dark to you aren't dark to, like, our cats, you know, so... Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Okay.
0: Okay, so I didn't... So I I don't know what a light threshold is to them. That's crazy, though. So, like, the worms are pushing them to move towards water. Yes. And so once they reach the water. I know what happens. I just Googled I like, it. Nope. I just Googled click it. Click the
1: video. I've already click looked it, at the picture. Oh it. God. One I sent you the wired. I know, but I know what's gonna happen. So what Katie's gonna be watching is a video of a cricket Oh thank
0: God it says the video is unavailable. The video is ha! The video is currently unavailable. I don't have to watch Ah, oh, dang. It's an older <laughs> article.
1: It's a 2014 Wired article that had the video. So I'll oh, YouTube it. Hold on. Yeah. You can Google uh, like horsehair worm cricket. I guarantee it will come up. So what Katie's going to be seeing, and I hate to say this before she Googles it, cause oh. she'll probably stop Googling. Is that- Wait, hold on.
0: Wait, I've got to pull it up. That- oh, wait. Oh, it says it control. So it's a four minute video. How long is this thing?
1: Oh, I don't know. The Wired one wasn't that long.
0: But oh, was- parasites. Okay. This one's one minute. This looks bad. Hold on. Oh, now I've got a nightmare on Elm Street Ad preview, thanks. which I'd honestly Ad rather watch. Thanks. Oh, this has such happy music. For a nightmare on Elm Street, baby? No, the cricket video has such happy music. Oh. Oh. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, How is something that big inside something that little?
1: (laughs) All right, so this is an excellent time for me to say a cricket can host up to 32 worms and these worms can be an average of one foot long inside of a cricket. 32 foot long worms inside of one cricket. What
0: sort of sociopathic person made that video and put that really happy music to it? I was really surprised that that video
1: had really perky music. I mean,
0: super perky music. Oh, my God. Uh, That is horrifying. Oh, oh, my God. And the thing was alive. That's the
1: scariest part. That's the thing. Yes. These uh, crickets are alive. Unfortunately, they do die usually after jumping into the water because that's not what they're designed to do and they they will drown uh also as the worms leave they no longer have any internal organs so they probably weren't long for this world anyway
0: oh my god i'm sure they're so happy they're dead i'm not like you know i i feel happy for them that they died oh my god
1: (laughs) you're a counselor you shouldn't condone such things
0: no i feel i feel so happy for that for that little cricket Oh, poor little cricket. Also, what is wrong with the human that just dunked him in water? Like, that's a sick person. Oh my God, that was horrifying. I mean, frankly,
1: the parasites were going to drive him there anyway. So you might as well do it under controlled conditions. I mean, experimenting with animals sucks, but it's often necessary.
0: Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm so disturbed. I need more I need more whiskey. <laughs> I don't even drink whiskey. This is This is my husband's whiskey. He's going to wonder why it's open. <laughs> it's mine now. Oh my God. So
1: I found a like 2005 paper from Proceedings of the Royal Society B that was talking about like, what are the mechanisms of this? And their theory was that it's that the adult worms can produce um, both like signaling molecules and neurotransmitters. And basically this functionally will mimic actual grasshopper slash cricket proteins. And basically it will directly signal the nervous system of the crickets on behalf of the parasite so the parasites will be producing uh basically analogs towards grasshopper proteins that can affect the same processes as if the grasshoppers were making this themselves
0: i just have nothing left to say i'm just so sad
1: another way that, that that particular paper uh mentioned that there might be an effect was that these molecules could affect their quote geotactic behavior and that means how an organism orients itself and its locomotion in response to gravity and so i don't know if that affects like their ability to jump or what but that was just another kind of finding from that paper
0: so okay let me ask you a question and i know typically in these i like just listen and i'm in absolute awe of what you're talking about but i'm honestly trying to wrap my mind about what i just watched crickets can't swim
1: yeah that's the the sad end of the story yeah they don't want to go towards water.
0: I mean, no, that to me, that's they not the sad end of the story. Water. You are, you are completely infested by worms. That that's the sad end of the story. No, like they don't do that. That's how this is easily
1: identified as kind of a zombie-ish behavior is that the crickets would have no desire to go towards the water on their own.
0: Yeah. Cause they can't swim, they'll drown. They, they don't have like the swimming they never took cricket swimming lessons
1: right as far as i know and and most you know crickets grasshoppers whatever they will drown and die following the release of the parasites in the water
0: okay so okay yeah so basically the worms are essentially pushing the cricket to end its own life yeah and that, that's how, yeah. that's how you can tell, like, this is a worm issue because the cricket has been zombified to the point where it has no self exactly. or whatever a cricket has exactly. of self yeah. left. Yeah.
1: And this is very similar to all of the insects that we talked about last week that were infected by the fungi because right. they will, you know, go to a point where they will lock themselves in place, things that, that they wouldn't normally do, and then stay there until their parasitizing organism completes its mission of you know erupting forth or
0: right it's like it's very uncharacteristic behavior
1: yes yes
0: it's almost like yeah it's uh, it's kind of like what you see like uh animals with rabies stuff like that so kind of the same basic idea like it like a like attacks like the exactly. brain of the organism so for this one uh like i said it's not really
1: attacking the brain and that like i don't think the brain is consumed but it is communicating with the brain by producing signaling molecules and or neurotransmitters that will affect how the brain is functioning because basically the way your brain talks to itself between neurons is through neurotransmitters and if you get artificially produced neurotransmitters that are coming from the parasite your brain doesn't know the difference and so it is being uh, basically the parasite is talking directly to the brain and manipulating its behavior that
0: way so it's like in a bond movie when you've got a spy who pretends they're acting for the british government but they're really not
1: right and if they were like talking through a secret earpiece directly into your ear yep. so
0: you were getting the controls right through them
1: yeah basically like yep that.
0: they were horrible people and you end up in a car and it explodes
1: and if somehow that explosion furthered the reproduction of the sleeper agent <laughs> oh my god. then that would that <laughs> would be a good worms.
0: parallel oh my god okay that is actually as horrifying and disgusted as i am i've watched that that's actually really like in-depth planning on this like side of nature and it's absolutely terrifying that there are like mind control worms who are like i'm going to eat all of you believe enough of you intact where i can make you throw yourself into a pool so i can explode and do out my of my <laughs> that is horrifying that is so spooky season that's spooky season like yes. 2.0 though that's like not the kind of spooky season i want i don't watch those movies it's very zombies oh it's my very zombies. zombies oh my god very zombies
1: okay Ugh. So I did want to briefly mention that unfortunately humans can be the target of many different kinds of roundworms. And the one I wanted to mention as far as a relation to the zombie talk goes, uh, it's not necessarily a, quote, mind control issue, but there are aspects of being infected with this particular worm that will induce potential behavioral changes. Um, and that, I, that I, one that I wanted to particularly mention is uh, the guinea worm no so guinea worm disease or draconculiasis
0: draconculiasis i was that's exactly what i was gonna say oh that was exactly the way i was gonna (laughs) pronounce that yep exactly right Um, so like the ones we've mentioned before
1: this kind of comes about by drinking contaminated drinking water that contains the eggs of the guinea worm and the guinea worm i think mature in the intestines of an infected person and they can grow, this is, this was horrifying to me. Um, they can grow, the larvae will grow into three foot long adults in a human intestine. And I don't know how long tapeworms get. I think it's longer, but guinea worms being three foot feet long was very horrifying to me.
0: Well, and tapeworms um, leave you alone. Tapeworms don't mess with you. Tapeworms just like, you know, help you lose weight. Yeah, that's exactly what, tapeworms are helpful worms. They don't explode.
1: Have you seen those old advertisements that recommended that like ladies take tapeworm eggs as a pill so they could lose weight?
0: You know, I have, and it just makes me very appreciative that science has come a long way. Because I got to tell you, I don't think I've... I'm like, mm. I get the idea, but I'm trying to
1: like focus on like body positivity. Like, I don't need a worm to eat my yeah. calories for me. I
0: never wanted to be that skinny. I just haven't. <laughs> never. I'm like, mm.
1: Yeah, basically, after reading more about guinea worms, I definitely am not I know I'm not comfortable with the idea of a worm living inside me. So
0: good. That's healthy. Good for you. Don't be comfortable with that. That's a bad idea
1: the basically reproductive route of the guinea worms is that they will infect humans they will grow in the intestines of the humans and then as adults they will move into unfortunately the lower extremities so the legs and the feet of a person and uh this takes about a year for the development of the adults the larvae into adults and uh, moving down into the legs so unfortunately so about a year after infection Uh, they will start to emerge through the skin initially as a blister that is like a super painful burning feeling and so the people uh, who are infected with the guinea worms will either just through their daily life step into water or uh, presumably on behalf of the guinea worm uh, will step into water to relieve the burning feeling and so, like, if it hurts so bad, you're going to step into cool water to try and relieve that burning. And that's the point at which the guinea worm will erupt through the skin, and uh, the part that pokes through the skin will start to will lay eggs and deposit the eggs into the water so that it can infect, infect more people.
0: I could have gone my entire life without that imagery, like my whole life.
1: Well, it's actually really important though i think because um it really emphasizes the need for clean water sources across the world so um this used to affect like millions of people every year like back in the 80s this was affecting you know i saw one source from i saw mount sinai said like 10 to 40 million people a year and then like the cdc or some other places said like 3.5 million people a year um, but that was i think back in the 80s in 2018 it was recorded that only 28 people were infected with guinea worms which is fantastic
0: yeah uh, Oh my god yeah that's really good
1: this occurs at the moment almost exclusively in regions of basically like isolated places in africa where they don't have access to clean drinking water and so it really emphasizes the need for um, clean drinking water because this is truly horrifying yeah and the way to get it out of you is that you can pull it out of you but not too fast because it'll like break off and also probably heard a lot. So you can actually pull it out of yourself, out of your legs a few centimeters a day or pro- like an inch or two a day.
0: And oh, no. I, I didn't
1: see this yesterday when I was looking for stuff, but I seem to remember hearing somewhere before, I have no idea where I have this information from, but you basically like the process is to wrap the end of the worm around a stick and then just like every day you would give the stick like one turn and it basically secures the worm outside of yourself so it can't back into your leg. And every day you just rotate it and you pull it out a few more centimeters and you just have this stick on the outside of your leg that's getting this worm slowly wrapped around it. But these worms are three feet long, nah, so that takes several weeks oh, to no. slowly crank it out of yourself. It's,
0: but amputation's also an option, right? You can just cut the dang thing off. Just cut the whole leg off. I
1: mean, if you're truly horrified, yeah, yes, and you just, you just can cut, cut it cut off the the whole leg off if you're in an environment where you don't have access to clean water you probably don't have access to sterile surgical conditions so that could be worse
0: true actually
1: um the mayo clinic said that you know permanent damage is uncommon following such infections but the cdc actually says that secondary bacterial infections can cause a lot of pain and disability and the disability of being able to walk due to pain and infection can cause you know you can't work for food or like your family members have to start working on your behalf and it's it's just really really bad I mean honestly I feel like the psychological damage is oh pretty yeah intense. like I'm
0: sitting here like as a therapist I can no this would not go over well that,
1: yeah that would need a lot of help yeah
0: absolutely um, that's hard but yeah
1: you get like a couple months of like just the pain and and disability of potentially either cranking the getting worm out of yourself um but also like you- The infection can be pretty bad so thank
0: you erica i'll be drinking bottled water for the rest of my life and contributing to um landfills yep
1: and like businesses like life straw i think are pretty good towards uh providing people with good filtration that's true
0: yeah i was about to say outside of like the spirit of comedy that's a really good point you've got like the filters like you've got life straw things like that that are actually really good oh wow okay so yeah properly horrified thank you So
1: the very last thing i wanted to talk about um kind of to end things on a, I mean, not really a lighter note, but a less horrifying note.
0: No, it's worms. It's worms.
1: (laughs) Um, Was actually maybe moving less towards worms and uh, more towards crustaceans. So let's talk very briefly about barnacles. And uh, despite my long-term fascination with pirates, uh, I wasn't 100% sure what barnacles are. They are uh, crustaceans, kind of like, you know, in the family with crabs or lobsters or whatever. And the one I want to talk about parasitizes crabs. So it's crustacean on crustacean violence at this point. And I just wanted to mention it real briefly because it is yet another type of behavioral modification. So we talked about the flatworms that will induce daytime activity and moving a lot and on the top sides of leaves we're going to talk about uh w- roundworms that are like more towards inducing seeking towards water this one's a little bit more of a complicated behavioral modification in my opinion so you can probably i didn't send you any pictures of this one uh, you could google like barnacle. i'm looking it up barnacle parasitizing crab or something will, might work um but the interesting thing about these barnacles and the crabs that they infest the The crabs that they infest can be either uh, like European and like West European and African crabs, but they're actually more recently have been discovered infestations of king crabs in Alaska.
0: They have like little things on their bottom part of them. Yeah,
1: on their undersides, like on their abdomens.
0: Okay. Yeah. These
1: basically fit in with kind of the ancient fairy myth of the changeling in which You would trick a human family into raising a fairy child as a changeling if you if you know that myth um
0: i do know that myth but i'm very confused as to how this like
1: works so what's interesting about these barnacles is that they will kind of burrow into the crab and for the internal portion of the barnacle they will kind of have tendrils infiltrate the abdomen of the crab so that they can absorb nutrients from the crab and stuff but they will have an external portion that basically sits where the crab's egg sac normally sits on a female so like in the middle of their abdomen uh, which is where a female crab would normally carry their egg sac instead an external half of the barnacle which is also an egg sac will start to develop and in this way the crabs will take care of and protect and further the release of the barnacle babies instead of the crab babies
0: what so
1: like that's kind of like the changeling myth in that way
0: so, <laughs> they straight up do like the replacement like the changeling oh my god yeah like straight up like the changeling myth yeah they're like hello parasites you're obviously my baby crabs right I
1: mean and there's lots of parasitic organisms that do that like the cuckoo bird springs to mind where they'll put a cuckoo yep, bird that's exactly what I was thinking someone of. else's nest and have them raise it um but what's interesting specifically about the barnacles is that they will induce feminization of male crabs so that the male crabs will also think that they are female crabs with a baby and the female crabs don't really have that much of a change physically so yeah uh, the male crabs are not only uh, experiencing uh, behavioral changes but also physical changes so like their abdomen gets wider they their claws shrink they lose some of their pincers that are related to mating things like that what? Uh, not pincers, but I, I forget the names of the, the little bitty legs that are used for mating. Teeny, tiny legs. Basically, they are feminized. And the thought is that the barnacles will produce hormonal changes. I don't know if the barnacles themselves are secreting female crab hormones or if they're simply like uh, inhibiting male crab hormones, but they will induce feminization in the male crabs so that the male crabs will also take care of the egg sacs that the uh barnacles produce. And that involves making sure that they're clean, uh making sure that they're protect- protected and then at some point they like go into the water and like bounce around so that the egg it facilitates egg release into the water. Does it kill the crab? It doesn't right away. It's not like things erupting forth like the crickets. Okay. But it does shorten their lifespan. For some reason, infected female crabs will survive a lot longer than infected male crabs. Which is interesting considering like, well, then why bother having this ability to make male crabs a host at all? If they don't serve as a host for as long, they're not, they're not as efficient of a host, but it is something- Figures can't be choosers. That's an excellent point, honestly. Oh, and I also saw something that it's only the female barnacles that will infect the crabs. Sorry, male barnacles, like don't even survive very long i think but the the female barnacles will infect the crabs and then basically produce eggs in lieu of crab eggs and this is becoming an increasing concern apparently for um, like king crab fishermen up in alaska because oh yeah
0: that makes sense
1: i mean it's not like the uh, crab meat is damaged because an infected crab like the infection doesn't go down to the legs you can still eat the crab but it will reduce the crab population over time
0: which is a problem because we like crab meat
1: it is a problem and then also like it's not great to know about parasites that will replace you know changelings no changeling barnacles no not a fan of that not a fan of that changeling barnacles was not a phrase i ever thought i would say
0: so i I do have to say thank you for letting us in this on a note that's not you know worms that explode in human legs and like you know you have to rip out with a freaking stick like i do appreciate that yeah once again i'm going to leave this week thoroughly disturbed and i appreciate that thank you erica for like the level of disturbing that you put in my life i'm gonna continue to uh you
1: are welcome yeah i'm gonna finish
0: this glass of whiskey and then i have to work out so thank you for that as well all right so um it doesn't sound stable <laughs> god i just like this sounds so weird but i'm gonna sit here and tell you like after we've listened to horrific worm stories We did want to wrap up with our mental health minute. Yes. So my mental health minute for this week is I have been working with students again. Um, I've been working with elementary kids transitioning to middle school. And there's actually a lot you can learn from elementary school students. And something I learned from my fourth graders this week is that taking one day at a time is what it's all about. I actually had a little fourth grader tell me when I was asking her what her plans were. She told me, Miss Katie, my plan is to make it till tomorrow. And I was like, you know what? That's actually a really, really in-depth, good way to look at things, little nine-year-old. One day at a time, man. That's perfect. I'm telling you, you know? I, was like, I was like, from the mouth of babes, thank you, fourth grader. And so I've been trying That's to embody wonderful. that. Yeah, one day at a time. So what do you got, Erica? Uh,
1: my mental health minute is that I started going to therapy again this week.
0: Yes.
1: And I haven't gone to a counselor in several years. Um, I kind of ghosted my last one because, uh, I guess we weren't really a good fit and I'm not a mature enough person to cancel up front.
0: Hey, but, um, reframe that.
1: I don't know how <laughs>
0: to reframe that. We're going to work on that. You are definitely a mature enough person,
1: but you know what? I'm working on it. I I've been in a really bad anxiety place lately. And, uh, I've decided that I needed help with that. And so, like, my mental health minute is to get help when you need it. You know, you, you don't have to do this alone. You are not in a parasitic relationship so that you're going to hurt anyone by asking for, anyone <laughs> asking for help. People are there to help you because that's what they want to do. And that's what Katie does. She helps people by being a counselor and a therapist and that kind of thing. So, uh, there are people out there who are willing to listen and are willing to give you better tools to survive your daily life. And that's that's kind of my tips for the day.
0: I love that. You know, you're not a worm. You're you're not a parasite. You're you're definitely not a worm.
1: Yes. Whoever you are, when you're listening, you're not a parasite. You're doing so much better than that.
0: Absolutely. Call a counselor if you don't know how to find a counselor. I highly recommend PsychologyToday.com, which honestly has counselors in every single area you can think about. They cover all sorts of insurances um, and highly recommend. And if you do find yourself needing help right this exact second. I recommend calling your local 211 number, which will put you in touch with a via link, which will then be able to put you in touch with people who can help you immediately. So that's my little spiel.
1: Thank you so much for that information. That's really fantastic.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so um, I wanna remind everybody that if you have any comments about what we talked about, if you just wanna send me a bunch of puke emojis, please feel free to do so. Our email address <laughs> is- You almost made me spit take. <laughs> I'm takes. just saying. Our email address is southernsciencechicks at gmail.com. Uh, please hit us up and we will see you next next week. And do we have an outro yet? Do we have like a see ya?
1: Oh, yeah. Our new intro and outro music is provided by my grandfather, Charles Knott. It is his song, uh, Mary Louise and Mary Lou. And I am really yep. grateful to be able to use his music. Thanks, Grandpa. And
0: oh, yeah. I love it. So we will see y'all next week uh, where we'll get to learn about like wasps. Wasps. Yes. Wasps parasitizing their hosts. Usually. Oh, I'm, I'm going to need so much more wine. Okay. So we'll see y'all next week. Bye everybody. Bye. <laughs> Do
1: you ever tell the friends we knew that you?